Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. adjustment so far yes uh so if you don't know christopher has uh packed his bags and moved from louisiana to uh the metro indianapolis area to be closer to the sports um to kind of really make his dream as, as being a full-time indycar uh correspondent come through chris uh, i wish you the best um looking forward to uh seeing you more often since you won't be that far from me you know we're only a couple of couple hours away and i i make it to indy quite a bit so uh but great to have you on the show tonight absolutely all right so with that being said um formula one and indycar had the weekend off um as uh, the united states celebrated independence day we have the uh firecracker 400 as i like to call it but this day and age is the coca-cola 400 at daytona on july 4th weekend um ricky stenhouse jr once again uh, winning a plate race, just showing what a great uh, package that Roush team has um, on the um, in those plate races there. You know, fantastic job from Ricky, fantastic job from Roush. But we had a really unlikely cast of characters fighting 
uh, for the lead at the end there, you know, with some of the some of the big names um, having dropped out through crashes or mechanicals or whatnot. Uh, but we saw uh, you know, Michael McDowell up, uh, up front, um, Paul Menard, David Reagan, um, Clint Boyer was right there in the mix. So pretty exciting, pretty exciting finish to that race there. So uh, and. Um, you know, a weekend uh, at Daytona that was plagued with a little rain, you know, forces to have an Xfinity um, Cup doubleheader uh, made things a little more interesting. So uh, who wants to jump in and uh, break down the uh, Coca-Cola 400 or the Coke Zero 400? I'm sorry. I'll jump in there. That was a, I thought it was another really good race, and Ricky Ricky Stenhouse backed up his uh, his win from uh, Talladega early, early, earlier in the spring. Uh, with a with a good showing there, uh, it was a wild race. Really, really, I thought it was a good race, uh, good competition um, throughout. Um, it was just uh, a, a, and again a typical a typical plate race, but very good competition. I, I really enjoyed watching it. I thought uh, you know, it, of course, we had a lot of the heavy hitters taken out and 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 one or or more of the uh, the fourteen record fourteen cautions. That uh, that they had that night, but uh, really really aggressive racing uh, by a lot of the guys. Uh, I thought uh, I thought they put on a good show in front of a great crowd. Oh, certainly they did. Yeah. So Seth, you've got some comments on this. Yes, uh, we had a total of eight drivers between both the Cup Series and Xfinity Series earn their best career finish. Three in the Cup Series and five in the Xfinity Series. Uh, you had McDowell earning his first top five and the first top five ever for that team. You had uh, Brendan Gaughan earning his first top ten since 2004 and the first top ten ever for his team. You also had Corey LaJoy and Darrell Wallace Jr. earning their uh, best career finishes. Yeah, now, and and, a lot, and they, you're right, a lot of those guys got good finishes, and that was that was brought about by a lot of the the heavy hitters falling out early in, in, in these wrecks. And I think, too, you know, what, what's, what's neat is the new NASCAR uh, rule, the five-minute clock that they put on the cars that, uh, that are wreck damage. You're going to see, uh, you know, in, in, in these plate races, you're going to see a lot of this. And we got one more of those coming back up, you know, in the playoffs when we, when we visit Talladega again. But that leads to uh, guys that can stay back and stay out of trouble, uh, you know, and rally at the end are going to get some decent finishes. I think about, I think if I'm correct, only 23 cars were, 23 or 22 cars were running at the finish. So uh, that kind of opened the door for, for some guys to uh, to get some good finishes. For me, the word of the day was inconsistency because everybody knows that it's Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last time at Daytona and he hits the wall with the right, with the right side of his car, damages it, doesn't, you know, have a caution thrown. But yet later on in the race, you have a couple of other guys that either blow an engine, you know, when they're down low and get out of the crack or have other small wall contact and cautions are thrown for that. I thought it was very inconsistent on their part. Um, yeah, that, that little... was noticeable. You're right. That was a noticeable no th- non-caution there because we were all sitting there after he hit the hit fence thinking, when's the caution going to come out? When's it going to come out? And it never did. And, you know, thinking back, there was so much hype on on Dale Jr. All the free race was about Dale Jr. and this being his last race, and you know this, that, and the other. And and you know, if you looked at 
looked at people you would consider him the odds-on favorite to win a race. And I think NASCAR, to some degree, was probably a little reluctant to throw that flag when it when it happened because obviously uh, it would show favoritism. Yeah, it would, and I think I think they they kind of kind of we, we we remarked on that when when the caution didn't come out, and you know people always think the fix is in, but you know that that showed to me that you know they were a little bit uh, hesitant. To, to throw the caution, it, it really didn't need to be thrown because there was no debris on the track. He'd gotten down low out of the group and could make yeah. his way back to the track. But you're right. There were other instances uh, throughout the race when there were single car incidents where a car would brush the wall, get down, you know, out of traffic and, and be headed pit road. And they would throw the uh, throw the flag. Uh, the, the wreck for the 75 hitting the fence is one I remember. Well. Well, for the 75 running gone, uh, he hit the wall. It wasn't until he got to turn three that they threw the caution. And by that time, his right front tire had started to shred the fender. Yeah. The other thing is, um, you know, I mean, obviously fans wanted to see Junior one. Well, they got to see a Junior win. It just wasn't the right surname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Maybe years from now, people will appreciate that after Ricky's career takes off. But uh, he's certainly he's certainly headed but, in that direction, that's for sure. But to Junior's credit and his teams, they did rally from from that incident. You know, they, they took advantage of cautions and got back on the lead lap, and they were running back toward the front uh, when when Kevin Harvick uh, had a, had had a tire blow and uh, and spun in the middle of the pack and it took him you know finished his car off, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a good rally, and no telling, you know what what he would have what he done. And the thing about you know it, there was a lot of damaged cars, uh, nicked up, dinged up cars running there at the uh, at the finish. Even the winner's car uh, had damage on the on the right front where uh, uh, he got into uh, Kyle Larson there when uh, Kyle uh, wrecked, and actually uh, Stenhouse's car went under. Uh, the 42 when it was in the air. Yeah. It was and, in the number of, um, yeah, um, I think I'm right in saying this had the record number of cautions for a July. Yes. Like, yes. 14. Right? And, yeah, maybe that was partly due, and I'd be interested to what you guys think, if that was predominantly due to the introduction of these stage races, and that accounted for a large number of the powerhouses or the big hitters in the race coming out. Because, you know, obviously there's the two stages now where in the middle of the race where they're fighting for positions and fighting for points, which will have an impact at the end of the season. Maybe in previous years they weren't fighting for those positions and they've maybe, you know, sat back a little bit more, whereas now they're maybe a little bit more aggressive and that, that leads well, to all these cautions. Well, well, I would agree with you, but uh, I'm actually looking at the re- results page right now. Uh, the first stage ended lap 60, and there was one accident 10 laps later. That's the one that took out Logano, Dylan, Truex Jr. And then there was another accident about 20 laps before the end of stage two. That was when Kevin Harvick lost a tire in front of Earnhardt Jr., Keselowski, and others. But otherwise, there weren't any major wrecks right at the end of the stages this okay. week. I think uh, I think one thing the stage did do it produced some uh, it produced some really good racing. Uh, you may not have had it right at the very front of the pack, but the guys 
you know, trying to race and, and, and secure a spot in the top ten to get a playoff point. I thought that was I, – I did notice notice those guys uh, were really racy uh, back there coming to the flag on those uh, – when those, when those segments end. But, yeah, two, those two cautions you're talking about, Seth, were both caused by uh, were tire failure. Uh, the 18 – uh, the exactly. 18, the 18 claims that the 90 uh, knocked his fender uh, fender in on the left rear, and and caused him to uh, uh, to, to to cut a tire down. And I didn't hear uh, Harvick blame anybody, but but he lost the tire, uh, and it caused him to spin and, and uh, mid pack and take out some more. But yeah, but it, it I do believe, like you said, Richard, the stage racing did create uh, create some havoc there. Toward the end, you know, it, you didn't notice it right up at the very front, uh, f- first couple of cars. But the guys racing from uh, fourth back to tenth uh, or twelfth were really mixing it up. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I was working Saturday night, and can't remember who it was I was listening to, but it was one of the you know leading drivers. And I remember at the end of the first stage, with two or three laps to go, I remember him talking to his spotter, and he just said, "Hey, look, guys, these points aren't worth it." You know, I'm going to drop back now and let them sort it out because it was getting a little bit, you know, sketchy up front there with uh, some of the moves. And he's like, you know, it's just not worth it. Yeah, it was it was hairy. And, and like I said, you know, uh, one thing that that plate racing does reward uh, is aggression. And and there was a lot of guys out there. And you heard if you if you listen to some of the uh, the scanner uh uh, traffic throughout the race you know you you've heard all a lot of drivers remark about how aggressive the drivers were and how crazy uh how crazy the race was uh but at the same time uh you also had a few uh going off strategy as well eric jones and denny hamlin pitted just before the end of stage one mm-hmm. putting them up front for stage two uh Ultimately, Jones got shuffled out and ended up finishing about 15th or 16th. Uh, I want to say he was the best rookie this weekend, but uh, Hamlin was running up front towards the end until he got turned yep. in kind of a weird situation. Uh, he got everyone was bouncing off of each other, and I want to say he bounced off of Chase Elliott and went through the grass and towards splitter off uh cut an oil line or something like that because when he tried pulling away, his car burst into flames. Yeah. And, and but, then, uh, the, the five got into the 95 and the 95 in turn got into Chase Elliott and spun, and spun him late. And, uh, and the, both Chase and McDowell have had choice words for each other since then. Yep. Yeah, that was, that's been, that's been pretty well publicized. They're, uh, they're a little, little, little pissing match this week, but uh, yeah, but it, again, it was crazy. The guys were were, were making uh, bold moves, trying to position themselves uh, uh, all during the race. And and uh, like I said, it was an, it was a fun race to watch. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Had had had. I mean, if if you didn't like that race, you don't like racing. I mean, it was it was it had a little bit of everything for 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 the fans. Just a little note that I want to point out: Stenhouse. He drives a 17 car, won the 17th race of the season, leading 17 laps. Numerology. That, that is, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, I like that. And there was, I did actually see something. I went and looked it up to make sure it was correct. Uh, 
I want to say the last time the 17 car won the 17th race of the season, David Pearson was driving the car. David Pearson, who also has the most wins in the uh, July Daytona race. Daytona race. And don't ask so me just, why I know that off the top of my head. I just do. <laughs> but, and, now, but, and now you're going to tell us that you bought an autographed... No, uh, no, autographed, no. Uh, autographed uh, die, Stenhouse die cast, no. and it was, it was serial number 17, and you paid $17, <laughs> you paid $17 for it. <laughs> Any more jokes? No. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> No, we, anyway. we, we let you go on that. I don't, we don't want to get into you hanging out with a 17-year-old. But <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> Pearson won the championship that season, too. Yep. That would have, was that 68 or 69? I think, 16, I think it said 69, the stat okay, I yeah, saw. Because Pearson won the, won the championship in uh, – won the championship in uh, – in 68 and 69, driving the Holman movie 17. Yeah, he sure did. And, uh, Which was a car that uh, I got to have a, have a look at uh, at the Indianapolis Museum. That Holman, Holman Moody car, David Pearson. No, that was the Wood Brothers 21. Mm, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it had a, Frank's oh, happy hour lasting a little longer this time. Yeah, that's the no, but it had, but it had, it had Holman Moody logo on the side of it. Yeah, yeah, Holman Moody. Holman, Holman Moody, Moody provided the, the engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy Turner built the engines at Holman Moody, and the car, the chassis was was from Holman Moody, and that was the Ford Clearinghouse. Well, all the Ford, all the Ford uh, factory teams got all their chassis from Holman Moody in those days. Yes, but, uh, they did, Christopher DeHarty. <clears throat> but going back to the the races themselves, in the Xfinity Series race earlier in the day, like you said, it was rain delayed, not once but twice. Uh, they had their own somewhat controversial finish. Fans claimed NASCAR waited to throw the yellow until William Byron crossed the overtime line. Uh, I've seen the replay. I don't think they waited too long but at no, the same I think time, it was just a it was a bang bang deal i mean you can't yeah you those cars are running 190 miles an hour down the backstretch yeah. and they're their feet away from it you can't i mean you can't push the button that quick i mean i, I didn't ha- i can see where people you know they see cars spinning in the background you know at the back of the pack and the car's still making their way but i mean it was a bang bang thing i mean it was obviously they you know, they threw it just as soon as they could react. But, I mean, at that time, Byron was, was you know, right on top of that line. Yeah. But, but you know, there, what this did. also a thing to consider if they're throwing the, you know, you're throwing that, you extend the race out. I mean, from my understanding, they were getting pretty close to the cutoff for when they had to stop that race to get everything set up for the cup race. Exactly, yeah. for one. And for another, the, what this did do is it brought up a debate which NASCAR is actually considering moving the overtime line from the backstretch where it varies from track to track where it is all the way back to the start-finish line. So, so eliminating to, it. Well, so it means you'd have to complete they, the lap. Yeah, you would have to complete the lap. Well, then that's essentially eliminating the eliminating that that thing. You know, if you don't if you don't come back and get the flag, and the caution comes out before you take it. Before you take it, then it, you know, it, it would essentially be back to the green white checkered. Exactly, it just reverts back, and, and you and you do it again, and you either you either get one or two attempts 
you know, one or two additional attempts at it like the like the old rule used to be. But I would imagine several drivers were a little bit upset with Byron after that race anyway, particularly Logano and uh, and and the pool kid, uh, because uh, uh, for whatever reason, you know, he. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, uh, Byron got into both of those cars and, 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 and knocked them out of contention. Well, yes, but there was also yeah, yeah. one that people did miss. Uh, during the big one that eventually led to the overtime, uh, after the yellow wave, uh, Ryan Reed got spun off the nose of Eric Jones going into turn three. I want to say it was just either the spotter saying he was clear or maybe Ryan Reed getting the call that there was yellow before Eric Jones did, but it ended Ryan Reed's day as well. And it almost ended uh, Jeb Burton's day and he ended up getting one of his career best finishes as well. Yeah. Jeb finished fourth, I believe. Did he not? Yeah. And Dakota Armstrong, his teammate finished third. I want to say it's the first time that team has had two cars in the top five. And I want to say it's their, both of their best finishes. Yeah, that would be right. And, and you know, similar situation that that we uh, that we had in the in the Cup race later in the day. A lot of the favorites and a lot of the heavy hitters were eliminated in the, uh, in, in crashes and in wrecks, and it left the door open for for a lot of guys to uh, to be able to shine. Devil's advocate here um, by NASCAR having that controversy with the Xfinity race earlier in the day with the possibly throwing the caution late. Do you think they might have played their decision to not throw the caution for Dylan Hart Jr. later on in the cup race? Nah, I, I, you know, I, that that's just speculation like we talked about. I, it, it was noticeable to me that that they didn't throw it because generally NASCAR can be quick to throw a caution in, in, in situations like that, particularly on, on, on tracks like Daytona and Talladega. They, you know, a car gets in the wall they'll, uh, and slows down they'll they'll throw that flag and I thought it was a little little strange a little weird that they didn't uh, throw the caution but uh, there again you know like you said inconsistencies because there were several there was a couple of instances a little bit later on when when a car when it was a single car incident scraping the wall and moving in that they did throw the caution so gosh I mean you know <laughs> it's, it's you can't explain it you really can't I'll tell you, for, for my money, one job I would not like to have is to be the guy in charge to decide when the caution is, is 
is uh, display and when it's not, because uh, you know it's uh, it's a lose lose situation. You know, some people are yeah. going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you've got to make that decision in a split yeah. second. You know, with that car you're not going to please yeah. you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to please it's everybody. Always- and it's always you're going to always guess. leave it open to speculation. Yep, always. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Worst job in the world. Yep. So yeah, but it was noticeable, and uh, and, and other people had the same, uh, same, same. You know, felt the same way. You know, so. But there again, Junior was able to rally and uh, was in was, had put himself in position to uh, to contend again late before he was uh, taken out in the uh, in the second big wreck of the night. So what we have is uh, Stenhouse winning again. We've still got uh, Joe Gibbs Racing still winless on the season, which is mm-hmm. just weird, right? And we've still exactly. got uh, yeah. So uh, and we've still got you know all those good drivers that haven't won yet, and we're yeah, I mean we're 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 closing in on uh, on Richmond. nine races. Yeah, I mean, we're closing in on Richmond for for the for the chase cutoff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with two wins, Stenhouse is solidly in. Um, and I'm just wondering who of the um, the bigger names might be on the outside looking in uh, when, uh, when the chase field is set. you guys have any opinion on that? Right well, now, or I'll let you go first, Greg. Well, I was going to say right now, if you had to look at it, things keep going like they are. Joey Logano's sitting with an encumbered win. That's not going to help him. We've got 11 different winners but uh, but Joey's Joey's win is encumbered, uh, so you still got room room there for other. You know they're going to take the top sixteen. You could have sixteen winners going in going into the playoffs. We talked about this last week, and if if some of the guys do win races, like you would think, you you, you almost would feel like that Kyle Busch is going to break through. I mean he's 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 had wins taken away from him, I mean, for one thing or another. He should have already won several races. Denny Hamlin's run good enough. Uh, you got the 20 car. He, he could win. That's three right there. Uh, Clint Boyer's on the cusp of, of, of winning. That's the fourth car. Uh, who else? Chase Elliott. We're waiting for Chase Elliott to win any, any day. I mean, at any time. That could be five added to uh. it. I think Joey Logano will make up for that encumbered win. So, I mean, we could be looking at uh, a full a full field of winners quite if possibly. N- if not uh, more, because we also more, yeah. have Watkins Glen, where you have a number of drivers who are going to be uh, ones to watch there. A.J. Allmendinger comes to mind. That's Michael correct. McDowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have some that have been good there that you wouldn't expect to be good there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Buescher has been good there. Dan Patrick. Uh, you could have a surprise winner there, no, no doubt. And also, who's to say that when he comes back and he gets the waiver, Eric Almirola might even get back up there yeah. with a win. Yeah, I don't, it, I, don't know, I don't know if he's going to get to the top 30, uh, I, 30 I, points after, losing, after it, missing he, that much of the season. Yeah, so. Well, right now he sits 30th in points, uh, and he only has... Uh, three drivers behind him running the full season. What, when's his projected return? They say within the next two to three weeks. Two to three, okay, so yeah, he's, he has a shot at it, but he but he needs to pull off a win. Exactly. And yeah. if you've got all, if you've got sixteen other winners, 
Yeah, so I mean, who do you think's gonna who do you, who do you think's gonna be on the outside looking in? You know, obviously the first name Dale Jr. My Dale Jr. Yeah, is what I was gonna say. Yeah. It's in his you final know, it, season. You know, if Dale Jr. wins that race uh, Saturday night, then we're looking at twelve winners, or actually eleven with the encumbered win. But that that really throws that throws the heat on some other guys. And I tell you what, we've talked about too. Austin Dillon has got a win, but he's he's mired back in. Uh, 21st position in points and really uh, with nine races to go he's really going to have to bear down to really close some ground to get up there but if we have uh, if we have five or six winners uh, six different winners in this in in these last nine races Austin Dillon could be a, a winner on the outside looking in to the playoffs yeah, that's. I think this may be the first time we see a you know since they've come up with this uh, current format that we may ha- actually have a race winner on the outside looking in. I mean, Chris Busher came close to not quite making it, um, you know, but but he he squeaked in. So uh, this might be the year we see that happen. And uh, you know, so the whole win you're in philosophy uh, uh, is out the window when you have so many winners. So I think yeah, Busher just Busher just yeah. had to make it into the top thirty. Because right. I don't. I forget how many we weren't. We weren't in danger of having, you know, sixteen, uh, sixteen winners uh, uh, last year. But yeah, right. it's, but, but it's, we it's saw been a crazy sim- year. We see similar things with uh, with uh, Tony Stewart and also with Kyle Busch, where they had missed a significant portion of the season, uh, but won races. And of course, mm-hmm. Kyle, you know, you know, well documented. Kyle went on to win the uh, win the cup. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just, I'm just really interested to see how the rest of the season plays out because it's really been a wild card kind of season, you know. With uh, yeah, some you, of the and you got to think that the Joe Gibbs guys, you know, are on the cusp of, of, of breaking through. Every uh, one of them, yeah. And and you know, we're going to Kentucky this weekend. That's that's been a good track for Kyle Busch uh, in the past. He could, uh, and also Keselowski. So you know, to me, those two guys are, are favorites. Uh, you know, going in, going into this weekend, uh, Kyle Busch could could uh, could get off the snide there and uh, and pick up his first win of the year. Absolutely, yeah, and and like you said, Keselowski and Kyle Busch are the two most prolific winners at Kentucky since we've added it to the Cup schedule. So uh, great track. But let me, long as we're talking about Kentucky, you know, before we make our picks for Kentucky and stuff, I've got I've got something interesting going on this weekend. I've been to. You know, hundreds of races in my life. I've been to many as a fan. I've been to many as a member of the media. But uh, I'll be in Kentucky this weekend in a in a brand new role I've never done. I'm going to be in Kentucky as a as a volunteer track worker. Um, oddly enough, I was thinking about going to Kentucky, and Kentucky is just you know, it's an hour and a half from my home. Not not even. I, I can get there in an hour if I uh, really push the accelerator. Um, but I love the track, but I've had a couple things going on, so I didn't apply for media credentials, and I had missed the deadline on credentials. But uh, this little thing fell into my lap with uh, Quaker State and with a fundraiser for my uh, for my daughter's cheerleading team. They're looking for people to, they say, you know, go to the track, and all I have to do is hand out free towels, rally towels, these green Quaker State logoed rally towels, uh, and they'll give me, uh, uh, you know, parking in the employee lot, uh, garage access, and a ticket to the race. And I'm like, 
okay, and all I have to do is four hours hand out free stuff to people? How hard can that be? But I'm like, it's just going to be interesting because it's something, it's it's a side of a, the race that I've always seen. I've always, and if you've ever met my wife, you know, she's the type of person that has never met a stranger, and we always encounter these folks at the racetrack that are, that are volunteer workers doing this, either selling programs or giving stuff away or trying to get you to sign up for something. Um, but she is always just so nice and kind to everybody because she just likes to do that. And, and for us to kind of be in that role as a, that person, I just, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that her kind, kindness comes back 100-fold as we are just handing out free stuff to race fans um, via Quaker State and raising money for, for, uh, for you know, the fundraiser for my daughter's school. So, uh, But it's going to be neat, and we'll be there in Kentucky. Um, getting a pretty good seat from what I understand. So uh, it's going to be a neat experience, and I can't wait to talk about it on the radio next week. So, But I thought I'd share that. So, but yeah, I hope the weather cooperates. I hope so too, yeah, So because I, I don't have an option to go back Sunday because i got to work. But, um, you know, worse comes to worse. Yeah, you know, Kentucky is a track I've been going to for years, like, like I said, because it's – it's kind of in my backyard. I've been to uh, truck races there. I've been to Xfinity races there before they had the cup. I, I went to the IndyCar race there probably the whole time they had it. I wish they would bring the IndyCars back. Uh, I love the place. I've had press credentials there. I've had VIP passes there. Um, it's just a it's just a, a really nice facility. that They've done a great job with it um, when they – when they changed ownership, uh, the upgrades to the track were massive. Uh, it's a wonderful facility to see a race. The, um, they reprofiled the track uh, last year, uh, and it's made it really tricky. So I, I'm just really um, stoked about being able to go to Kentucky uh, this year and to be a track worker, just to, just, just to get the feel of what, what, what that is like. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, we all have worked in racing at one point or another, but I don't think any of us has kind of seen it from that side as a little volunteer person. Just uh, so I, I don't, I, I think it's neat. I'm excited. So, but with that being said, who wants to make a pick for Kentucky? And you're not allowed to pick Kozlowski because that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick Kyle Bush. Good, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Uh, uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I'll pick Jimmy Johnson. Why not? Okay. All right, All right. Richard, Richard, who you like? I'll go with 78. 78. Good pick. Good yeah. pick. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go back and look at the last uh, – race at Kansas, which is very similar to Kentucky, and I'm going to say not, Ryan not, Blaney. Not Ryan Blaney gets his second win of the season. I'd love to see Ryan Blaney win. Yeah, I like that kid. He's really good. I I actually think Texas is more similar to Kentucky now since they reprofiled Texas as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Kansas really I, – I think – Kentucky is rather unique now well, with, with the profile well, they've done, and and the so thing, is Texas. Yeah, so yeah. The thing about the reason the reason Kansas is a little more they, that Texas is more like Charlotte and Atlanta, and that it has that distinct kink in the dog leg, and and Kentucky, like Kansas, has that sweeping uh, sweeping front stretch. That's why I say it's similar similar to uh, to somewhat similar to Kansas, and kind of like the way Vegas used to be, but. Uh, 
I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna I'm stick with that. I'm gonna say Blaney runs well. I'm Gets sure Blaney. I'm sure Blaney will run well. So, uh, guys, any other topics coming out of Daytona or or going into Kentucky? We want to um, discuss before nope. we move on to talk about other forms of racing. We're just you know we're at that point in the season now with nine to go. We 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 you know got to that traditional time of the year after Daytona where you know. It, we kind of look at we're, we're, we're solidly into the second half of the season now, and uh, we're going to see guys start to move, make moves, and uh, start positioning himself for uh, for the uh, playoffs. So that's going to be something that's uh, going to be on everybody's mind through these next nine races. Yeah, it's do or die time for these guys that are not locked in. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting to see. All right. Well, with that being said, let's talk about uh, young Billy Monger. Um, the driver, very young driver who uh, lost his legs in an accident not that long ago. Um, I saw a story where he was back in a race car. And, uh, Richard, you know a little bit about this, um, that someone you had to work with is kind of involved with this project, but uh, through the use of some hand controls and whatnot. Uh, uh, and this was not that long ago. This a couple of months ago. Uh, the kid lost both his legs, and he's back behind the wheel of a race car. It's absolutely incredible. But, uh, Richard, you want to chime in on Billy Monger and his incredible story? Yeah, I mean, it was mid-April at the latest when he, we had this horrific accident at Donington Park. And as you say, you know, unfortunately, at 17 years old, lost lost both of his legs. But within, I'm going to say, within a month, he was back at the racetrack at, um, you know, at, at the British Formula, uh, Formula 3 Championship event. Uh, at that event, there was quite a big accident. One of the drivers was taken to the medical center, and, and Billy was in there, you know, making sure he was okay straight away. I mean, an amazing young kid. And, um, yeah, he, he's been in a uh, fun cup car, which is a <clears throat> an entry-level sort of um, amateur club racing series uh, based around a, a VW Beetle uh, chassis. Uh, great fun cars to drive. Is that, is that very similar to what we call Formula V in the United States? Could well be. Could well be, yeah. yeah. Um, they're, I've been to a few of their events. They're a great, fun family event. And if Billy can get himself in one of those cars and, and, and do some laps and get comfortable in there uh, and then slowly progress um, from there. I know he's already been talked about and already had discussions with the group that is running a Le Mans entry for 2019, I'm going to say, for disabled drivers. Uh, so, so there's potential that he's looking at, uh, looking at being involved in that project, which would be fantastic. And, you know, it, it's such a inspirational story. I mean, there's so many people in the world that, you know, go through these horrific accidents and, uh, you know, a pretty bad turn of lucky like and they, they come through it on in such a strong way and they're so determined and um it's it's, it's fantastic to see the kid deserves so much credit uh, and hopefully that'll that won't go unrecognized and um and you can get back out and you can be competitive and you can be an inspiration to other young people that have uh, you know had a bit of a raw deal at times yeah it's absolutely amazing you know it reminds me of you know zanardi who went through a uh, similar thing, lost both his legs. And I, I always, you know, when the, when the Paralympics come on TV, I just, uh, I mean, every one of those athletes in there are inspiring. But but I watched Zanardi 
um, and 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 what he's doing with the, with the bicycle racing, and I see him behind the the wheel of a you know BMW with the hand controls racing again, and uh, uh, you know the, the difference between Zanardi is. Zanardi had a pretty solid career behind him with a lot of results. Uh, Billy Monger has his whole life ahead of him, you know, yeah. at only, like I said, 17 years of old. So, uh, um, yeah, it's great to see him just trying to just, you know, get get back on the horse and figure out how to do it, um, oh. you know, with uh, without the legs. So it's really, it's really inspiring. It's really incredible. Um, and I just wish him all the best. I'd love to see him in a Le Mans car with the team. Um, yeah. Of disabled drives, that would be um, just incredible. And if you want a, another quick one, just uh, trying to plug one of my old employees again. Um, I think it's next week or, or sometime in the next few months. Anyway, there's um, I think it's going to be an online Amazon Prime sort of Netflix style release for a, a story which looks at the, the 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 history of Williams F1 team. So looking at Frank and when Frank went through his accident and. And what he's done. And again, you know, as you see in IndyCar. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are, uh, with um, Sam Smith, I believe it is, who's in a similar situation to Frank. Frank's now the world's longest surviving tetraplegic. Um, and it gets a great inspiration because, you know, we're very, very fortunate, I think, and uh, to see people in that situation that can um, can still achieve things that us mere mortals, in a way, could never achieve even when we're fully fully able uh, is pretty inspiring. So if you're uh, interested in a bit of history and a bit of uh, Formula One history, um, definitely check that out. Yeah, I didn't know that stat about Frank, Frank Williams. That's really that, – that's wild. That's yeah. the case anyway. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me because even now in his 70s and, uh, you know, he's confined to a wheelchair, he can still bring a grown man to tears if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and I've met Sam Schmidt on a number of occasions. That guy is just very inspirational to talk to. Wonderful guy. Now, Chris, you've got some comments? Yes, indeed. First of all, I never heard the term tetraplegic, so I'll need to remember that one for later. But um, I want to bring up Kyle Larson because he's done something that not a lot of drivers have done recently. I think it ought to be brought to our att- all everyone's attention. Pennsylvania this week has their sprint week, and they got uh, 410s and 360s and all running all over the state of Pennsylvania. And up in Pennsylvania, it's a pretty popular, you know, publicized that it's the quote-unquote Pennsylvania posse running up against the uh, guys from around the country. Kyle Larson, I think, has won almost every single race he's been in, if not every single one so far this week. I think he's won three races so far. And a lot of people have taken notice of this because not a lot of people have done that recently. And uh, one comment that was made recently was that Kyle Larson, I think, in one night sold $13,000 worth of merchandise, which, according to him on Twitter, I think, was more than what he's made all year long in Cup, which is amazing to me. Uh, He also said today... uh replying to a fan uh that they only get paid about fifty dollars or so to go out to trailers for an hour and sign autographs but uh going back to his wins he actually won six in a row yeah. in pennsylvania 
And of yeah. course, those those tracks. Um, I mean that that area is known among dirt racing circles for their uh, swing sprint car action. Uh, some of the best tracks in the country, from what I've heard. Uh, Williams Grove, I think, was like the first race of the week. I'm not sure if he was there for that one. He's he's run uh, Williams Grove. I don't know if Williams Grove, but I know he won at Lincoln. And uh, I have to go back and look, but I've been following it all week long. Uh, it started Sunday. He went started Sunday, and uh, he won six uh, six features uh, this week, which is which is quite remarkable. And the kid the kid is on a roll. And I did see that article you're talking about, Seth, about uh, uh, about his uh, his souvenir sales. And of course, it was uh, one of the business journals did an in depth uh, on that, explaining the the situation and you know, a, a look, an overview on the souvenir sales. And since NASCAR has pretty much turned a lot of that over to, to uh, fanatics and, and, and the NASCAR superstore, the drivers cut and what the drivers make out of that stuff now is, is really, really reduced because you got, you know, the pie has gotten a whole lot bigger with more people's hand in it. You know, back in the old days when, you know, when uh, when drivers had their individual trucks and it was more of a, a loose confederation kind of kind of thing. The drivers uh, made made more off the uh, off their shirts in, in the NASCAR, in the Cup Series. But, uh, yeah, these guys go with their own little deal. And, uh, you know, a lot of the dirt racers, even the even the um, the uh, late model uh, dirt racers, they make make really good money selling yeah. t-shirts and and one of the things you know that was explained in in that article was you know these are these are places where uh the ticket prices are very affordable for families and people to go to and they've got extra money to spend on t-shirts and caps and things like that whereas you go to a cup race and you're looking at buying uh, uh on the low end a 75 dollar ticket uh, or and or selling out a bunch of money twenty dollars to park yeah twenty dollars to park two hundred bucks yeah. for a hotel room yeah so uh, so yeah the, the dirt the dirt fans have got a little bit more disposable income you know at the after they go through the turnstiles than the average cup fan does so yeah it's 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 a pretty neat uh, pretty neat deal and that's that's how these uh, a lot of these dirt racers you know uh, fund their operation. Uh, with stuff like that too, so uh, so yeah, but, it's pretty pretty interesting article. But I one will also, that... or sorry, Chris. Uh, one thing I will say before you say something, uh, Dale Jr. actually earlier this year was calling out uh, some people for making counterfeit merchandise and selling them out the track as well. So yeah, and, and that's that, an is, that's an issue in a lot of sports. I mean, yes. especially you talk about counterfeit art, autographs, right? I read an article, and you're talking football, basketball, baseball players, those kind of guys, that as many as 90% of these autographed items, the autographs are fake, you know, and, and you know, and, and guys are making a killing off of uh, selling stuff there where they're faking the stuff, yeah. and Dale, Dale tried to take that on because they were doing that to him, and, you know, good for him because, you know what, if I'm going to shell out some money for an autograph – I want to know that that is real. Yeah. But when you find out this certificate of authenticity is also fake, and you know, so you, you don't know what you're buying, right? So uh, unless you walk up to the driver and have them sign it, sign it for yourself, it's it's hard to tell what you're buying. Um, yeah. And it's 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 a racket 
uh, across all kind of sports. So, uh, you know, and I don't know if there's an easy answer for it either. One thing I did want to bring up, um, according to uh, someone else on Twitter, or I think it might have been on Facebook, for the smaller teams that are looking to sell merchandise, the best place to buy it is from their own personal website because there's a lot fewer hands to go through to pay. The team gets a larger cut and the driver gets a larger cut if you go through the team's website. Exactly. Uh, Kyle Larson, for example, redirects you to NASCAR.com or Fanatics.com. Uh, I know Danica's website does the same. I want to say Junior Motorsports. Uh, it goes to their own uh, race shop retail uh, website, while some others, you know, it, it varies from team to team and driver but, to driver. But by and large, most of, most everything now goes through that. Right now is going through that Fanatics uh, program. You know, we talked about it with the uh, souvenir trailers going away on the mid on the midway and now they've got one large uh, climate control tent where where people where everyone goes in and buys the different thing things and, and of course the fans kind of voice their displeasure with that uh, and you see in some of the souvenir trailers come back at some of the places the fans actually wanted that and uh, so we're seeing some of that uh, some of those come back at a few of the tracks. I will say that a few of the tracks, the trailers are actually easier just because of the land around the tracks, mm-hmm. like Martinsville, for example, Bristol, for example, Darlington comes to mind. And then there are some like Daytona, Charlotte, uh, I would throw in Dover, unless it's changed since I was there uh, about five, ten years ago. Uh, they do have a lot of space in which you could fit that tent. Oh yeah, it, it's it works well at some places and in some places it, it doesn't. But uh, you know, I think it's pretty much that. Uh, I guess they're going to have to listen to the fans and and figure out what the uh, what the fans want. You know, uh, their their purchasing or buying experience at the racetrack to be like. I mean, you know, as a lifelong race fan who's been going to races since he's a little kid, I prefer the trailers. I always have loved going from trailer to trailer and seeing what they've got. Uh, you don't have then deciding what to buy. I've always liked that. I, I don't like the superstore tent thing, and they, they've got those at Indy too. They've got the big, uh, you know, IndyCar tent thing, and and the the team trailers have kind of gone away. You know, I remember years ago they used to have, you know, Ganassi had a trailer, Penske had a trailer, Andretti had a trailer, and they still do to some extent, but most of the stuff is in that big tent that is owned by the Speedway or owned by IndyCar. Um, so, you know, give me back my trailers. Maybe I'm just old, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm younger than Gray, older than Seth, same age as David Starr, evidently. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Back to a previous but, conversation. Yeah, but I, I prefer the going trailer to trailer. And um, and especially when they have those little events where they say, okay, hey, you know what? Uh, Andretti trailer here. Michael Andretti is going to be signing stuff from 12 to 1. And Mario will be here from 1 to 2. And to buy something here and have, have it signed. Um, you just don't see that in those big superstores. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what young people prefer but, but uh you know but but talking about what chris was talking about about just just what kyle larson has done obviously with winning two cup racing two cup races this year he's he's kind of emerged and come out of the 
you know, doing what we always expected he would do. And now he's come through. And of course, that 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 along with his uh, his versatility and and getting out and, and running these short track races. I mean, the kid is a versatile race car driver. Uh, he can he can do a little bit of it all. And I guess uh, Seth, can you answer this? Is he is he planning on running Eldora again in the trucks? I don't believe so. I, I haven't heard or seen anything as of yet uh, because GMS Racing it's a uh, fourth truck. Uh, they said it was going to run all year and be an all-star truck with a number of different cup drivers in it throughout the year. They started off with uh, Bowman, then they had Chase Elliott in it, and then after Chase Elliott won in it at Martinsville, they didn't bring it back. Mm-hmm. So I know Rico Abreu is going to be in the fifth uh, truck for Door Sport Racing. I know uh, Bobby Pierce is going to be back for MB Motorsports, another uh, dirt uh, specialist or ringer, however you want to word it, is going to be uh, a teammate to Bobby Pierce in the 36 truck. Uh, he's a USAC champion. I forget the name. But uh, I want to say J.R. Hefner is supposed to be back in the 44. And then obviously you have Christopher Bell and a few others who just came up through the dirt ranks. Yeah. So it, sh- it should be a good race either way. You know, and like Chris was talking, about, I think you know we could possibly see maybe in a, in another another year or two, uh, Ganassi put uh, put Larson in, in a ride for the five hundred. What do you think about that, Chris? I love the idea. Um, of course, the thing that's going to determine that is going to be dollars. Um, yeah. But the, let's face it. Uh, I think Kyle Larson wants to run the 500. I think it's either Chip or it might have been Target that's put the kibosh on it. Um, I think, frankly, until Kyle runs well at the 500, he can't call himself fully an all-around driver because I think he also needs to do some more open-wheel stuff in you know, the IndyCar world. I would love to see him run an IndyCar race on a road course. Uh, I'd love to see him run sports cars more often. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would love to see him, frankly, become the next A.J. Foyt in terms of running anything and everything he wants to. Um, but of course in the modern era, when sponsorship dollars and contracts that are exclusive are the determining factor, the odds of that happening are very, very limited. Yeah. yeah the pretty big, much, the, the biggest thing pretty you much dictates everything. Yeah. The biggest thing you don't want to see is, is have your full-time cup driver, you know, get hurt somewhere, you know, and we, and, and, you know, we've seen it with, uh, Tony Stewart, you know, get, get hurt in a dirt race. Um, so Gosh, put him in the five hundred. You know, you've got to have a real, um, you know, a, a team owner who's really kind of tuned into this and that. But uh, I, th- I think Chip's right there with it. Uh, I think Target, as as long as they've been an in indie, should be there with it. I mean, why shouldn't we see Kyle Larson at the five hundred? You know, why shouldn't we see Kyle Larson in an indie car at Watkins Glen? Hey, why shouldn't we see Brad Keselowski in another Penske car? I don't know. I I, I would really. Or even like Gano see, or Blaney. Exactly. I would really like kind of see this kind of golden era come back that we all enjoyed. Well, Gray and I enjoyed in the sixties and seventies. <laughs> in the sixties and seventies, where 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 you racing there? Where you saw Donnie Allison at Indy, and you saw AJ Foyt at Daytona. You know where you know, you know where where you saw these guys hop back and forth to try the different discipline. You know, where, where you saw a guy like Sweet Savage uh, uh, do a sports car race one day, um, uh, the NASCAR race another day, 
uh, USAC race the day after that. But, um, you know, we're not going to see that, but I would love to see some more guys just try to branch out and hop in something different. Kyle Larson is a perfect example. Tony Stewart was a perfect example. I, Kyle uh, Busch doing late model races. I mean, he won the Snowball Derby a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Busch. I, I actually that, yeah. just and, and, thought of was. And even sorry. Kurt, even Kurt can, uh, you know, Kurt was the last uh, NASCAR guy to come over and do the double. You know, I, I and but I think maybe Alonzo coming over to Indy has has kind of maybe opened the doors a little bit to say, hey, you know what, auto racing as a whole could use more audience, right? And because we're all struggling for a little peace, you know, uh, it's like everybody's kind of struggling for audience and uh, just mix them up a little bit. I, I would love to see over the next 10 years to see what we saw in the 60s. We won't, but I'd like to see it. Uh, now, I actually thought of a story I saw earlier this week. Uh, it was a old interview from 2011 posted on YouTube. Uh, it was Travis Pastrana, and he was actually talking about how he once thought NASCAR was boring until he actually had his first chance and oval race, which was in a dirt sprint car. And he he tells the story that one of the drivers got sick, and Tony Stewart walked up to him and said, hey, do you have your helmet? And it wasn't Tony's car, but Tony was talking to him for the other owner. And right, he hopped so, in the so, car. So Tony threw Travis in the car on short notice? Essentially. Cool. Essentially, cool. yeah. And Travis, he said that he finished, like, 13th or 14th that day out of, like, 26 or something like that. And that eventually led him to coming to NASCAR. So, that's, that's really interesting, yeah. That's, that's, uh, we need more of that in sports. So, guys, we're, we're kind of getting up against the clock here, so... Uh, Let's uh, move on to a couple more topics. I want to talk about uh, Formula One. We're going to be at the uh, the Red Bull Ring in Austria coming up. But uh, before uh, that, we had the whole Sebastian Vettel uh, FIA, <laughs> FIA investigation. And it just, uh, yeah, you know, it was going to be a huge story. We're going to put all this stuff on Vettel. Oh, and we're going to, maybe he's going to be suspended for this season, uh, kicked out of Formula One. Who knows? Well, it ended up. In a whimper, Sebastian issued an apology. FIA promised not to further investigate. So, um, Richard, are, are we done with uh, Sebastian's little bump and run? Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens at turn one in, uh, on Sunday if Hamilton and Vettel uh, are uh, next to each other. But, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, in the cold black day, you know, Vettel's a pretty smart guy. He'll sit back and he'll look at it and he'll. He'll realise that what he did was a little bit stupid and that he was in the wrong there. Um, and, you know, hopefully just draw a line under it. I mean, the FAA do have the penalty point system, which uh, is designed to control the drivers and, and, you know, help them sort of self-discipline themselves in a way, knowing that, um, you know, they, they can't go around doing this every weekend. And, and then hopefully... You know, everybody will learn from it, and this will be a bit of a okay. You know, the, the drivers' meeting on Sunday at, uh, in uh, in Austria will be like, okay, come on, guys. You know, we've got a little bit out of hand, a little bit silly. We're better than this. We're you know best drivers in the world. All this sort of stuff. Sort it out, and let's go out there 
put on a show, show people what we're really capable of, uh, and, and move on from it. Um, you know, I, I still believe that you know what Vidal, Vidal did was was pretty serious, really. You know, the FIA and this was part of their statement do carry their safety initiatives and the work they do uh, with um, NCAP in Europe and uh, NHTSA over in the US. You know, the FIA are both heavily involved in both of those organizations to improve car safety and vehicle safety. And the amount of work they've done is, is phenomenal. And then to have one of their flagship drivers, for want of a better word, um, you know, act like that was a little bit out of turn. And I'm sure he's had his wings kicked a little bit and, you know, he, he'll he'll calm it down, I'm sure. Now, the, the interesting thing will be, how is Hamilton going to react to it? Because as we all saw in Azerbaijan, he was screaming down the radio and, you know, being quite forceful towards Charlie Whiting, which personally I think has got to stop. At the end of the day, Charlie Whiting is the race director and his call is his call. And if a driver doesn't like the decision, then take it up with Charlie afterwards. They have plenty of opportunities to do that. Don't do it over the radio. Um, you know, you, you see it in, in, in kids' sports every weekend, you know, parents screaming at umpires and referees from the side of the, of the playing field, you know. Oh, absolutely. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, they bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, just come on, set a decent example. If you've got a problem, talk about it after the race. Don't, don't. And, and you know, Vassell got, you know, he was doing it in Mexico last year and he was very forceful over the radio towards Charlie as well. He's like, okay, you know, that's got to stop. That's the bigger. That's the bigger issue is is the um, the move that Vettel pulled uh, last weekend. But um, yeah, I think we'll move on, and it's a great track to move on at. You know, hopefully this will be one where um, you know the drivers can get back to doing what they do best. It's a fantastic track. It's one of the old-fashioned tracks in Formula One. It's where the sport needs to be. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll see a good race. I expect to see Mercedes dominate again. It's a very torque, traction-driven track. Um, you know, the first first sort of third of the lap to first half of the lap are, are three long straights with two 90-degree bends in there, uphill braking zones, because you can leave the braking really late. Car with good braking and good traction, they're going to excel there. It's a small aero section in the middle, three or four turns there where aero-limiting uh, is going to be a factor, but then again, the last two corners you back onto, you almost like your point and squirt style uh, tracks, and I can't see past Mercedes this weekend. I don't think. I think they'll be dominant. Um, so, so who do you think, Hamilton or? I think it's going to be Valtteri. Valtteri. Yeah. Think Valtteri? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I like Valtteri too. You know, because they back in thirteen or fourteen. I think it was fourteen, wasn't it? Williams actually got 1-2 on the grid there that year. Uh, Massa had pole, I believe, and Valtteri was second after. They, uh, you know, they they put pressure on Mercedes, and Mercedes cracked, I remember. Uh, Lewis uh, making a mistake on his final run in qualifying there. So I think Valtteri's, uh, you know, he knows his way around that track. And um, it's not the flowing style of track that maybe suits uh, Lewis a little bit better. I think it's one that's uh, very much a mechanical grip. Uh, you know the mechanical side is going to dominate, and maybe Valtteri can take advantage of that a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, uh, Seth, you, you've been the resident Formula One guru. <laughs> <laughs> so you you want to you want to grab a pick for the um, for Austria? Um, who has been picked so far? Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I'll go with Lewis Hamilton because I don't know that many F1 drivers. <laughs> All right, so uh, Gray, you want you want to pick for Austria? Yeah, just to be different, I'm right. <laughs> Vettel. <laughs> Vettel, Chris, you're next. Uh, oh, two things. First, I'll do my pick. Uh, I'll say Kimmy. And actually, I'll take the back. I'm going to take uh, Ricardo because he's at the Red Bull ring and he's driving a Red Bull. Uh, my last little thing, I guess, and then we'll put the uh, Vettel-Hamilton thing to rest. Um, the fact that every single thing has to be investigated nowadays, in my opinion, it should have been let, done and settled the day after the race. But, I, I mean, then I, again, Chris, that's just I, my own opinion. I agree with you 100%. This thing should not have drug out over a week. And not only that, I mean, Hamilton's – Helmet is the color of Aaron Senna, who took Prost off at 180 miles an hour at Suzuka in 1990. But yet Vettel hits you doing like one ninth or one sixth of the speed, and all of a sudden he's dangerous. Throw over yourself, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to what? Uh, to, you know, 30 miles an hour. Yeah, so. Not only that, but if you look at him, Vettel takes his hand off the wheel before it all takes place, and I'm willing to bet that the steering wheel jerked in his hand when he took his hand off it, and that's what ended up leading to the collision. Not only that, but Vettel's looking to his right at the time, and the general rule of thumb that my dad always told me when you're driving is whatever direction you're looking at, that's the way the car is going to go. Now, I must admit, I'll step in. I, I originally had the same, that was my original um, you know, thought, is that, as you say, you see him pull his left hand off the wheel, your right hand's going to pull the wheel down and, and move to the right. Um, and I, you know, that was my initial thought of it. But, you know, two things really sort of, you know, took to me. Those cars are so well balanced and so well set up. They don't just drift to the right like that on their own accord. And, you know, these guys are, are held in such a high level that, you know, again, they still shouldn't be doing stupid little things like that. But as, you know, as you say, you know, um, Senna did that at Suzuka to, to Prost, but the thing with Senna is he'd made that aura about him. You know, the dry guys who he was up against knew that, and Prost knew more than anybody, that that's what he was going to do. Um, you know, some of the stories about that Senna-Prost rivalry specifically were, were such that, you know, the Senna just... That was his job was to win, and I, I think times have changed now. I think the driver mentalities have, have changed a lot, and I think it just it was just stupid that what happened. And I think that was more the issue really, which is the petulance more than anything else. Agreed. God, petulance! I haven't heard that word since I read the Bible. But uh... Richard Eden, <laughs> a resident thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that leaves me with taking Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen, yeah. So one more Formula One story I want to touch on uh, because I, I read it the other day. Um, Robert Kubica, who had tested for Renault, is, is slated for another test with Renault, and and Robert, for his part, said he's eighty to ninety percent sure of coming back to Formula One. Um, now a lot of folks disagree with this, but. Um, uh, you know, it's, um, it's not a secret that Renault was in a bit of disarray. Um, I, can you see them bringing Kubica back uh, in the Renault? Or, uh, cause he, I, I, I mean, for him to make that statement, I think he's either got to have some a really good agent who's uh, really positive about some stuff or or somebody's side. Because Renault is saying the opposite, but uh, 
I mean, I, I, I love Kibitza because the dude is awesome. You know, it's horrible what yeah. happened to him. But, uh, man, what do you all think? You think he's, we could really see him in Formula 1 next year? I think he'll be I think I think there's a very, very good chance he'll be back. You know, again, to, to set up a test like this, it's it's not cheap. You know, you're looking at a million dollars probably or whatever it is to get all the infrastructure out there, get all the personnel out there and get, the, you know, the, the cars running. So, you know, Formula One is not a, a sport or an industry that does just a favor for somebody. Um, will he end up at Renault? I don't think he will. I... I was thinking about this. I did read an article on this uh, on the internet the other day, and it made a lot of sense. When I first read it, I thought, no. But it makes a lot of sense. He could very, very well end up, if he does well at Renault, next year in a Ferrari. I think it makes perfect sense from Ferrari. Really? You know, they've got, um, you know, Vettel likes to be number one. He doesn't like to have somebody competing against him. Kimi's probably had his day, you know, in all fairness. He's... You know, probably tired of the politics. I mean, still one of the most naturally talented drivers out there. Fantastic to watch on his day, but he's probably had his had enough of um, you know his um, um, you know the politics of the game, especially in Ferrari. Ferrari's a very politically driven. Come uh, to Indy, and you know, there's probably a few vodka distilleries he hasn't been to around the world yet that he wants to check out, and I think that. You know, so that Ferrari seat will be available. And, you know, it's going to be available next year. Not many, you know, not without paying a huge chunk of a contract out. And you've got Kubica there who has a huge amount of talent. And if he doesn't work out, then they've got a number of young drivers coming through. The guy that won the uh, F2 races in Azerbaijan last weekend, for example, that would be a a, a very, very competent backup. But... um, so, do you not think that that maybe Roman Grosjean is in line for the Ferrari seat if Kimi steps away, and maybe you see Robert in a Haas car? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you know more than me. I'm just yeah. I, I, for you to say that uh, we might see you know Kibitza in a in a Ferrari that that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, has Grosjean really? To want of a better word, dominate the teammate. You know, I mean, Magnussen was a little bit, uh, I don't want to use the word damaged goods, you know, in a bad way, but he didn't really excel when he was at McLaren up against Jensen. And, you know, everybody knows that Jensen was a, a very, very good, solid, you know, top five driver on his day. Um, you know, Magnussen didn't exactly dig up, you know, dig up any trees up against Jensen. And, you know, now. You know, Grosjean's beating Magnussen, but again, Grosjean's had an extra year in the car. And, I mean, I know Jensen had one. He was up against Magnussen. But I, I, he, there's been nothing like, wow, that's an amazing drive come through. Um, I think that would be the other option. I, I, you know, uh, another big name in a car that can easily, you know, get out of a contract that Ferrari could pay out of a contract. But I think you've got to look at it from two sides. Where would, you know, Kubica go and who is looking for a driver? Admittedly, I think Renault are definitely looking for a driver for next year because I, I can't see Julian Palmer getting that drive. Uh, uh, there's no. Oliver Rowland, who's uh, in F2, who I know is in the uh, Renault stable. He's doing you know, pretty, a pretty solid job. Uh, there's rumours that Perez could go to Renault even before the end of the season, uh, around about the mid, mid-season break. Um, so... 
you know, or you know, or a Renault. You know, I mean, that their ultimate catch for Renault would be Alonso. Um, I know there's been you know talk of that. Um, I so think, I think Alonso needs to land in a Ferrari or a Mercedes. Um, would we'll go back? And, to- yeah, but uh, you know, that's just me. I, I mean, you're talking one of the top talents on there, mired in the middle of the grid in the McLaren. But uh, I think it's going to be a know. fantastic, fantastic. Silly season, and I think Kubica throwing his hat into the ring if he does come back. I'd love to see him come back. I think the I'd talent love to see him come back, yeah. is on another level. And, you know, that thought of, you know, being out in a Ferrari is a bit of a, you know, left field sort of idea, but, you know, it could could just work out. You never know. That's really interesting, Richard. I hadn't really thought of that. I never would have guessed, you know, Robert in a Ferrari, but gosh, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the guy back in the sport, so... Let's turn our attention to IndyCar as our time is dwindling out. We're actually in overtime in our own green-white checker. So uh, IndyCars will be at Iowa Speedway uh, this weekend. A beautiful bullring out there in Newton. I love that track. One of the most interesting stats of the uh, track in Iowa, IndyCar has been racing there for 10 years, and this race has never been won by a Penske car. Uh, either way, this has been the stopping ground for um, – Andretti Autosport, uh, Ganassi's won a couple times. Last year, um, it was uh, Ed Carpenter Racing taking the win. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Penske's never won here, uh, which is pretty interesting to see. And Chris has just dropped off the call. So, my other IndyCar guys. Anybody want to jump in and pick a, a, pick a pick for Iowa? I'm going to say Newgarden repeats. You know, he won uh, – he- he he won last year with uh, you know with I guess he was with Carpenter last year, and and won the race. I'm gonna say that uh, he's uh, he, he's gonna break the break the string for uh, for Penske and get their first win there. You know, Gray, there's a lot of people thinking that right that uh, you know Newgarden was so dominant there last year, uh, but now he's with Penske. Penske hasn't won there, and Newgarden's got the track figured out. You know, whatever data he uh, he remembers from. Uh, or what, you know, whatever things he's gleaned there might be pretty solid. He was so dominant last year. I think he read, led like 90% of the laps. So, uh, but yeah. I, mean, I think he was, I think he was close to lapping the entire field too. Pretty much, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was what you like to call a shit show. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, he stunk up the show. And, uh. Try, let me try to bring Chris back in. Nope. All right. No Chris. All right. So, um, Richard, who do you like for Iowa? As a team, I know they've been quick, and he said the one year, the one there last year, one of those Ed Carpenter cars, whether it's Ed himself or uh, Hildebrand, one of those two guys, I think they could do I believe Was it? Did they t- test there recently? Yeah, uh, they, they tested there recently, and Hildebrand was fastest in testing. Yeah, so, um, you know, let's go for JR. Let's go for Hildebrand. Yeah, good for Hildebrand. Yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. You're talking, they've got all the data from last year where they just stomped the field there. So, Seth, what do you think? (laughs) I'm sorry. Chris dropping off the call just kind of messed me up. I think Chris has a technical issue. He's trying to get back on. Yeah, I'm trying to get him back in, so. Uh, In the meantime... I am gonna go with Ryan Hunter Ray. I say he's gonna go and salvage what he can for the season with a win at Iowa. 
Good pick. He can do it there. Yeah, sure. Ryan's won there, I think, three times. Two or two or three times. And Andretti Autosport as a team has won there. I want to say they've – because, yeah, I mean, you know, Weldon won there. That's just, TK won there. Actually – uh, Ryan Hunterway run, run three, won three. Hinchcliffe's won there with Andretti. Um, they've had the dominant, the dominant team there that's, before. I guess that's the site of Marco's last win. Yes, it is. It yeah. is. In 2011, yep. yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, Chris, Chris is back. Chris, you're yep. back. Yeah, Ollie, don't Chris, watch that went out on me. start talking IndyCar, my IndyCar guy drops out. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking it's that about, new internet we got up here. Yeah, Give us your preview. Give us so, your preview so, so, on this weekend. So yeah, well, so one Chris, thing we're that, talking um, about Iowa and how Penske's never won there, and uh, is Newgarden going to be the guy to break the Penske, Penske jinx, or well, looking if, at somebody if, else? So go if, ahead. If Penske is going to have a winner, I think it would be Newgarden because he's done very well there. But I think that if Penske doesn't win, a driver that I'd like to see get their first win is J.R. Hildebrand. Uh, also at Iowa, I'm thinking that we're going to see a strong run from Ryan Hunter Ray because he, he actually <laughs> did win three out of four races there. Um, he told me a couple of years ago when I interviewed him before the race, uh, you know, that he felt like he didn't have the car to lean on and that, you know, after the race, he's like, oh, no, nah, they actually did what I needed them to do. Um, now, the other thing is that this weekend we also have some junior level series competing there, too. USF 2000 is going to be there. And one guy I'm looking forward to interviewing out there is going to be Alex Barron, um, a Frenchman who drove for Bellardi Auto Racing in 2014, I want to say, in Indy Lights and actually won a race. Uh, he actually has done really, really well. Um, he's going to be driving in USF 2000. Um, Did you say his name is Alex Barron? Yes, uh, Alexander Barron. B. Um, B a r o n, not two R's like uh, the guy that won. Not, the not like the guy that uh, yeah that, that ran in Indy cars in the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing about um, Alex Barron is that he um, he's done uh, off and on stuff the last couple of years uh, with Road to Indy, but I'm with like testing or whatever. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. US Two Thousand only has thirteen cars, but there's fifteen cars now in Indy Lights because Bellardi Auto Racing has a fourth car for Chad Boat, Billy Boat's son. He's going to be racing at Iowa and also at Gateway, which I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Uh, I'm going to be attending Iowa, and it's going to be a great show, I think. Now, are you going to Gateway, too, or no? Uh, plan is to go to Gateway, yes. Yeah, I'm looking for Gateway is going to be, that's going to be first time for the IndyCars in a number of years with a re, re, repaved track and stuff, too. So, uh, interesting to see about that. So, so your pick, Chris? You know what? I'm going to go uh, for a first-timer here. I'm going to say Jared Hildebrand because he actually <laughs> tested the setup that Newgarden drove for last year. And if he did he did very well at Phoenix this year with just one hand because he broke the other one. So I'm going to say Hildebrand. All right. So you got Hildebrand. So does one of the other guys. And I've so got Richard. Richard I also got Hildebrand. So you guys are I, – I'd like to go with Hildebrand as well, but I hate to – I hate to duplicate a pick, so I'm going to say that uh, actually Will Power breaks the Penske curse and not Newgarden, and uh, Will Power wins because uh, this is a guy who right now has the championship on his mind. He's got he's got big momentum uh, right now in the season compared to some of the other guys, uh, save for Dixon. So nobody think Dixon's going to win, huh? Quick question: Is this a Saturday night race or a Sunday afternoon? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. The race Sunday, starts Sunday at four forty-four Central Time. Sunday yep. afternoon. Okay. Sunday Good afternoon. Deal. Yeah. Four forty-four. That's an interesting time. I know, right? 
Yeah, see, see if they drive the flight right then. So, uh, well, I hope I hope then, America so. tunes in because there's not there's nothing else on TV uh, Sunday. So, other than a little baseball, I hope, hopefully uh, they'll pretty much uh, have uh, have their way with TV. So, yeah, and that, this is going this will be an NBC televised race. It's also. as long as uh, the NASCAR races don't get affected by weather. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, please don't let yeah. me get affected by weather because I don't want to. I don't want to miss out on my free ticket to a race. So, anyway, guys, we are out of time. We're 15 minutes out of time. Um, I want to thank uh, Richard, Seth, Gray, and Christopher uh, for being on the show with me tonight. I want to thank Who's the Radio Network for putting us on. I want to thank all you guys that listen to our show. And um, man, tune in next week where we'll. Uh, we'll uh, Go ahead and tell you all about these races we previewed tonight. So, until then, have a great night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.